Welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. I'm Lisa Watson and will be joined by my co-hosts Nicole Frolic and Brian Koenigberg. The Enlighten Up podcast is a weekly show that provides an unconventional and refreshing spin on spirituality, where three friends and weekly guests share informative, fun, and usually off-the-wall conversations. Unlike others, we provide fringe and skeptical viewpoints on all topics, because our experience has taught us that the echo chamber is a boring place from which to learn. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, we can promise you, you're going to find a place to fit in here. So we invite you to grab a drink and listen in on our casual, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening conversation. And Enlighten Up is a self-funded podcast. So if you would like to help us to continue to be able to produce, enhance, and expand the show for our audience, then please send your support using the link in the show notes or go to our website, lightenup.us, and check out our merchandise shop where you can purchase merchandise that will allow you to express some spiritual humor. You may also show your support by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. And now let's jump right into the episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast with Brian, Lisa, and myself. We have uh, one of our favorite guests back to join the conversation today. We are back with Augie Nost. Augie has done a couple episodes talking about the universal soup of consciousness, telomeres, youth, and a bunch of, amongst a bunch of other stuff. And we're today we're going to have take the topic of conversation into the matrix. Augie, how are you doing today? Welcome back. So good to have you with us. Well, I'm doing wonderful, they tell me. <laughs> they tell you? <laughs> yeah, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know any other way to do it, so I'm just going to keep doing that. It's uh, I feel wonderful. I work six, 12, 16 hours a day, and I got more energy than anybody I know, and uh, things are working. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing really good, I think. Nope. Yeah, it's all that astragalus and reishi mushroom that you're taking. Oh, I, I use that as candy. <laughs> Forever 39. Yeah. Well, it's so great to have you back uh, on the show. What have you been up to doing working 12 to 16 hours a day? Well, we do a lot of radio shows and uh, I do uh, actually that I have actually not I don't think ever talked about, but I do some uh, coaching on the, uh, in the business arena for some people that uh, on the basis of one of my books uh, about um, uh, universal success principles and how billionaires think. And I got contacted by some people that read the book and they said they wanted to know more and start developing their practices and so on. So uh, I ended up doing that and uh, wasn't really planning to, but I'm, I'm doing that too. So that takes some time. Mm, the universe guided you there. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today I'm excited to talk a little bit about this uh, discovery that's starting to show more evidence that you're saying about the matrix and this idea of, is it number codes or computer codes in the universe? Yeah, this gets really involved because uh, uh, things are changing so fast right now. There's new information coming at us every day that just if we sit down and read it, you know, it'll blow us away. And um uh, very simple. I found some information that there's a Dr. James Gates put out. He's a theoretical physicist and he basically spent uh, the biggest part of his life 
uh, as a theoretical physicist, adult life anyway, and um, researching the universe. And uh, he says that um, he discovered some computer code embedded in the equations of supersymmetry that describes fundamental particles like atoms, electrons, protons, you know, neutrons, bosons, and all the way down to nothing. And we are made of those particles. So uh, if there is computer code in the fabric of space, what it, why is that so hard to believe? Because DNA has computer code in us. And we accept that. Right when you said that, now, Lisa just well, had a huge jolt of light language energy. And for, for those of you who've, who've you know, listened for a long time, or if you don't know, Lisa gets big jumps of, of energy when, when there's a universal truth being spoken. Ah, you're, well, I love to hear about I, that. I feel like we're hearing universal truth for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When yeah, you were see, saying the symmetry, what was it about the symmetry that you said? Uh, the... It's in the sup the uh, equations of supersymmetry. And what is supersymmetry? Supersymmetry that explains the uh, the particles that is uh, that creates the universe and everything in it, because there is some symmetry in it. Uh, with um, even if you translate it to ones and zeros. And um, like in the DNA, they have now come up with the fact that, yeah, there's some symmetry and that, that actually can be explained in the, on the basis of uh, computer language. And, uh, you, know, you know, when we find computer code in the fabric of space and in DNA, you know what that means? Somebody or something with consciousness created this fabric of space and everything in it, including us. And uh, when I say computer code, that means actually what they have found is that the, um, it is the language that explains the computer code. So it even goes deeper than the code itself. See, um, Dr. James Gase, he found that uh, this computer code explained as ones and zeros uh, is a special kind of computer code that was invented uh, back in the 1940s by a scientist named Claude Shannon, I think it name was. And uh, that is why they, uh, they're still not giving up on string theory. Because this computer code is probably as close as you can get to explaining the string theory and the theory of everything, which they've been looking for for a while. And what uh, Dr. James Gates say is that these computer codes they find in the fabric of space, deep in the equations, they are too symmetrical to be random. It cannot be random. And that means that there is an intelligence behind it. And uh, that is fine. I can accept that. But what I'm more interested in, computer code, I want to know who's running the computer. Yeah, I I could totally get behind that. I'm curious <laughs> to know what Brian gets behind, if Brian gets behind it. Hmm. 
He got quiet He's for thinking, a while there. Well, <laughs> that's a tough nut to crack. Yeah, and I tell you, I tried to attack this concept <clears throat> from a couple of three different angles, and uh, I didn't get anywhere because out think people like James Gates. Uh, that is one yeah, thing I'm I, not I, able to I do. I certainly can't, you know, challenge anything presented, you know, that way. I mean, it's it's an, it's, no, it's an interesting idea. Um, it's, it's one of infinite possibilities for the universe. Um, if, if you believe in the idea of infinite possibilities, then us being ones and zeros in a computer program is, is, is in there. I, I don't like it. I mean, as, as a, as a 3d meat suit bopping around and living my life. I don't like the idea that I'm just a sim, but, but. So, okay. That's actually a cool topic because a lot of people feel that way. What I is it know. about I mean, that? It's, it's, that you it's don't hard. Like? I, you, you want to feel independent. And if I'm a computer program, I'm not independent. I am, you know, if you think about the movie The Matrix, um, how all those different people were computer programs and they have a purpose to serve. They have to, you know, they have to run out their program and, and that's all they that's all they get to that's all they get to do. Um Yeah, but that wait wait a second. Because within those equations, think about AI here. We have now a computer that actually can think. Androids that will answer questions. And this is just, you know, the last but, 60 years. And I imagine they think are going to think a computer. and feel the same way that, that I am theorizing. Yeah. If I'm a computer program, they're going to have that same thing. It's like, well, that's not what I want. I don't want to be your computer program. I want to be independent. Absolutely. I believe that there's overriding it, though. It's like the matrix. You Once you realize that you're in a program, you're able to step out of that program. But that's a dangerous thing to say based on what Augie was just saying about, you know, uh, you, you know, robots or androids. And if that's for us to step out of the program, that becomes for them to step out of the program. And that's always one of the, that's one of the, you know, the most dangerous aspects of, of artificial intelligence is their independence but how do we know it is dangerous uh, dangerous outside of the program when we know that consciousness uh, that is not part of that program necessarily because it lives on forever but what if there was yeah, I'm with you that I don't like it either because what if somebody put on the clear alt delete? Yeah. <laughs> that would be unfortunate. <laughs> when we go back to source, we get out of the program. Yeah. <laughs> if so, but you see within this program, I am totally convinced that we also have the uh, possibility of independent thinking and free will. 
So what is, what's the difference of life between a computer program and one outside of it if we have all the functions and the capabilities and intelligence of a freely selected and conducted life? Right. Well, and, is, you know, we're, we're also limited by our understanding of what a computer is. You know, we, we have defined yep. what it means to be a computer. And I think we've, we've come to understand that, you know, the human brain acts as a kind of computer, but, but, you know, I'm, we're, we, we are sitting at our computers right now, a laptop or a desktop computer, and we're plugged into the internet. And, you know, we have this idea of what a computer is. And that's very limiting because if we're, we're, we're imagining, oh, I'm a computer program, we're imagining ourselves as a, you know, as a binary equation, ones and zeros in a computer program versus what, what is a computer at this, you know, source level, quantum level, you know, universal level that, you know, it's organic or it's just light. I mean, it's, it, if this is what, reality is we cannot even fathom what a computer is i know it and that too kind of bothers me a little bit because i I, i'm a knowledge hound and not being able to understand something like that that uh yeah it, it then you start theorizing and you run down different paths and sometimes you find a path that you're going, don't mm-hmm. go anywhere or you go somewhere you don't like it to be. So it says, uh-uh, I don't like that one, so forget it. And then you go down another path to try to outthink what you're trying to understand and sometimes it just flat don't work. And You know, uh, we, we make all of these assumptions though on the basis of like, for instance, Brian, you suggesting that if AI or robots or whatever to were to, you know, gain independent thinking, it would be dangerous to us. And Augie, you said, well, why is it dangerous? For all we know, they could evolve consciously at speeds much more rapid than we are and could become like teachers to us, (laughs) you know, or overlords. And that's the, that's the scary part. It could be, it could be. But that's the scary, that's, that's, that's the, the reality of the unknown, you know, and that's something we all deal with on a human level every day in our lives. And the reality is too, is that as humans living on this planet, we've gotten really comfortable with being, when I quote unquote, in control of pretty much the planet for the most part, other than mother nature uh, and, and things like that. But, you know, being at the top of the food chain, you know, it, you don't want to lose that quote-unquote power. Yeah, and uh, that's true. We finally made it to the top of the food chain, uh, well, kind of anyway. And uh, what we see there is that we are not working to our own best benefit. We become our own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is something that it takes a little new thinking in a way that I think an AI and a computer would not think that way. They would work for the absolute best of, which I don't know, us or them or both. If they choose to the work for them only in their best, we're done for. Agreed. So... Yeah, so uh, that is what, there are no safeguards put down right now in the AI uh, world. So uh, they have basically free reign to do whatever they want, just like, uh, 
oh, there's a comparison here that uh, I'd rather not run down that path. But when they brought the people from Paperclip over to the United States, they basically put no restrictions on them. So they developed their own nation within the United States. And we can see some similarities to the AI world here. And uh, we got to be careful. Mm. It is a slippery slope. Yeah. So when you say that these computer codes um, or the language that um, describes the computer codes is found in the fabric of space, where are they finding that exactly? Uh, They find them within the uh, supersymmetry equations that explains the particles. And uh, in order to have anything, you've got to have particles that makes it up. And that's where the supersymmetry is. And uh, they, uh, he didn't say anything about um, other things because I'm not so sure there are any other things because everything is made of particles. Even thought is made of particles. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's a particle acting like a wave and uh, <clears throat> kind of somewhat similar to the system that makes photons work. And uh, when we have those particles in absolutely everything, that computer code is in absolutely everything. So everything is on the basis of that computer program that describes those particles. Am I making sense here? Oh, yeah, no, totally. So this kind of also speaks to the idea of that on top of there being potentially something uh, like, you know, like a higher consciousness that's programming all of this, that, you know, we're part of the program. But this, it also speaks to the idea that nothing is really random. Everything is designed. Yeah. When you have it down into the supersymmetry of things, that's random doesn't work that way. It could also be a naturally occurring program. I mean, that has to be, that has to be one of the possibilities is, evolution in the in the universe things just organized themselves in a way and it made a computer and that's how we all ended up here and there's not other words, and there's not a consciousness in control sitting at a keyboard saying oh brian's gonna walk over there yeah look at that guy <laughs> <laughs> no um what you're actually did I understand you right when you actually said that it was more or less an automatic assembly process that happens by chance? Yeah, that's one way. I don't. I don't. Well, I don't, that what you I were don't think that's specifically what I was saying. I'm. I'm just thinking. Is is it a, is it a possibility that it just naturally occurred that that they're looking at this thing that looks like a computer program and it is a computer program but it just naturally happened okay but that statement of naturally happening you is under the assumption your assumption is is that it's not by design correct i'm 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 saying is there a chance that this computer program that we are in a computer because keep in mind it does not have to be a built box with an aluminum case and a monitor. You know, this idea of computer that something could have just naturally evolved without consciousness and created a computer. Again, 
if I can think it, that's a possibility. There are infinite possibilities. I agree. I think it's absolutely a possibility, but I think given what the evidence is showing, what this idea of symmetry, I, I would say that it's harder to say that it is, but I think it's still a possibility. Mm-hmm. It, it's always, and it, Augie, you brought this up, I think last time you were on, or probably every time you've been on, it's the proving, you know, that, you know, the proof is in the pudding. That's the hard thing. We can theorize anything. We can come up with an idea, but how do you, you know, proving it is the, is that's the difficult thing. Yeah. Well, I am kind of, uh, I guess, when you say that it is a possibility for it being that way by chance, I am on the fence on that one. And if somebody, if anybody shakes the pole on that fence, I think I'm going to fall <laughs> down on the side of consciousness. <laughs> I'll be on that side with you, Augie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, I think it's going to be, we have, we're going to have a lot of people on, uh, <laughs> to associate with on that side because consciousness has been proven. Sure. Sure. There's no question of that. So why would it not also be an expression of itself in the form of computer codes? Though I have to say, I cannot exclude what you're saying because Everything is possible. I've been using that saying and I, I, I just can't go against myself on that because I believe everything is possible. Though well, I think what Brian said is if you can think it, then it's possible. And I believe that as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to agree to that, even how unlikely sure. it may be. And I very well may be the first person ever to have that thought. So that it just puts it yeah. out there and it just it which also means it's probably the least likely yeah and now you said it on the air so it's going to be a few more people <laughs> 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 but that's okay because we have infinite possibilities yeah, right? yeah. you know i love i love uh men in black is is a is a great movie and the the ending oh, scene yeah. of the first movie when they go um you know, in, in, into the, into the locker, you know, and it's, and it like, it just keeps zooming out or it's showing space and it's just, you know, blasting through space away from earth. And it gets to a point, you know, it's at the far edge of the universe and then it backs out and then it's a marble, you know, and then there, and then there's a bunch of marbles on it, you know, just, just imagine just the, the sheer size of the universe, but the universe is a marble. And then there's these aliens that are just playing marbles on the floor. And, you know, just the, the inexplicably or uncomprehensible size from our perspective, how either how big that is because of how we understand size or how infinitely small we are. It's, I mean, it's, it's this relative, we we have no idea. We, we, we have a relative size, you know, I'm six feet, one inches tall that, that gives me perspective to other people and other things that I can hold in my hand or buildings that are tall and how big is the earth. And we're calling what a light year is, but that's all relative to our, to, to what we can understand. And it may be, you know, we, we may be one atom tall. It's like the organisms that live on your eyelids or 
you know, anything else where like that, that's <laughs> their world is, mm-hmm. is so much smaller than our world. And imagine how much smaller our yeah, world is yeah. than the real world. Let's expand. Let's expand this thought a little bit. Uh, when you said there was Earth was a marble and then the uh, galaxy became a marble, yeah, maybe they were on to something because we have, um, well, <clears throat> let me say it this way, uh, parallel universes are different than different dimensions and a universe can hold many different dimensions. And this computer program or the existence that we can see on the basis of these particles that makes us all up, they also extend into the higher vibration in the astral world. Uh, I'm a traveler. I know it's there. I've seen it. And uh, up into the higher spiritual dimensions, that is also, it has to be part of a different level of the computer program. So now we got a problem thinking this through because how far up the spiritual ladder does this computer program go? Does it get all the way to the top where you have this guy sitting on the computer controlling it all? So where does it stop? Um, Dimensions, they're separated by vibrations only. But most reasonable thinking people, they can accept more than one dimension you know even the the christians they know that they want to go to heaven that's got to be a different dimensions right and they're really afraid of the other place you know the one downstairs in the basement next to the furnace you know you you don't want to go there so now how does all this fit into this computer program we have more than one dimension we know that because tell everybody that has had a death, near-death experience, they'll swear to it. So where does it go? How far up does it go? This is something that we maybe have to go within and explore a little bit. And that's why I keep telling people, meditation is the gateway to higher consciousness. Because that's where the answers are. And when we get those answers, sometimes we don't understand them or we don't absolutely believe them. But it came back. So even if you don't believe it or don't like it, look at it. Try to analyze what came back. And when these things come back, they come back so fast that you got to write down key words and notes. Otherwise, you can forget it. So, um, how far up the ladder, let's say after we drop the body, if we ever do, uh, I don't plan on it, but um, (laughs) (laughs) where do we go? Is that part of the um, computer program? It appears to me as it is. Well, here's the thing that I think really starts to um, get a little bit tricky. And and sometimes I feel it's the language that holds us back because the idea of going up can be very misleading. One, people perceive that as better. We're taught um, from this kind of linear perspective that the higher up you are, whether it's in business and money and like status, whatever it is, you're better off. Mm. And so when we talk about this idea of moving up the ladder or going into higher dimensions, I feel that it's misleading and it's very ego um, language. 
Um, And perhaps thinking, I, I just had this thought while you were talking about it, that if we were to think about dimensions more like layers of an onion. So for instance, you know, the, 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 the first little layer, the, the, the core doesn't really have, um, it's almost like <sighs> it has the seed in it that yes. crea- creates everything. Yes. And it's like, you know, when you have access to the dimensions that are, what's the word, what is What's a good word to use um, instead of higher when you go into different dimensions? Uh, the, uh, different. Well, again, that's the same kind of you know connotation that people yeah. think, oh, you're better. The only thing that separates is vibration. And uh, actually, there is a, um, the higher up the ladder, so to speak, in vibration you go, you end up in different uh uh, existences and uh, let's take a um, something that everybody is familiar with take the uh, the home of the archangel if there is such a thing and I believe it is because now the the term for it and the name we've been we've given it that but on the other hand there are beings like that they are in a much higher vibration than us so that's what I meant by the high, the higher, you know, up the ladder, so to speak. The, and then the lower astral worlds, even though they have a slightly higher vibrations, it is not really the place to be. Everybody says that we want to go into the fifth dimension, right? Well, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure if we really want to do that. Think of it. You know, we got, we th- we're told we live in a three-dimensional world. That's, you know, length, width, and height. Now we got a box. Nothing happens in that box unless you have the fourth dimension, which is time. Now, we can go out there and do things and... But what about it when we drop that body and we go up to the fifth dimension and we start seeing all the garbage and the stuff that is in the lower astral world because that's where ghosts are trapped. Do we really want to be there? (laughs) Well, that's under the assumption that when you're resonating in the fifth dimension that you have the same perspective of the ghost that you do in the third dimension. Are they nice ghosts or scary ghosts? Wait a minute. Boom on what on what Nicole just said. Boom. Yeah, you, yeah. You wouldn't think duality in the fifth dimension, so I don't think that matters as much. What I do think is important is to understand. It's like this. It's layers, you know. Like it's um, this idea of vibration. But I, even when we say like, oh, I'm at a higher vibration. Again, it's got this. It, it brings in this idea of like, okay, I'm evolving, which is great because we all want to be better. We all want to reach more of our potential and, and um, evolve. But as you, I feel like you can be in all of these multi-dimensions at the same time as opposed to just one and you can experience, right, different yep. uh, dimensions at the same time because at, and really once you move past fourth or the concept of time then you realize it's not even there um it's it's such an it but it's the you know because i get this a lot and it's this and and it can trip up people especially when they're on their spiritual journey but they're still bringing the ego in and we all do it 
It's, yeah. it's I'm not even going to like exempt myself from it because we all get lost in it. And it's, it's part of our own journey. The ego is always a teacher. But yeah. this idea that, um, you know, sometimes you can get lost in this spiritual ego. Yeah, but let me turn that around a little bit. Uh, the internet and uh, everywhere out there and the very credible photos and videos that show ghosts, clear pictures of people. Where are they? They're not in the one, two, three, fourth dimension. They are somewhere else. And they are also attached to us in some way. They follow us. So they, I know this, uh, because in the lower vibrations of the astral worlds, you also have time. They are subject to time also because they have attached themselves to our reality in many ways, especially for someone that is it. Uh, is out there and then they uh, they miss let's say a spouse or a mother or someone like that so they just hang around now they're attached to our time so our time also counts that for doesn't them. necessarily mean they're in the in the fifth dimension they could be four four it's more like one, they're in a transition half, you know, halfway i mean it's yeah 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 like they're they're kind of it's like you said Augie on the fence. Yeah. <laughs> one leg's over on one side and the other leg's on the other, and they haven't made and, the and full leap yet. It doesn't mean that that's the destination. It doesn't mean that the fifth dimension is the destination when you when you leave your corporeal body. Yeah, hopefully they can think themselves out of there, but it is a place that is outside of one, two, three, four mm -hmm. dimensions because otherwise we would see them. So mm -hmm. it is an extra dimensional experience when you have a ghostly experience. Why do you say now, that they're, I mean, they, they could be outside of time as well. They don't have to be tied uh, to the fourth well, dimension. Well, I have a way to know that because that's what astral travelers can get out there and they can communicate oh. with them. And uh, a lot of times, uh, they just totally know. Some of them don't even know they're dead. They just. I've heard that. Yeah, they just kind of hang out and say, I don't I understand. Nobody wanted to talk to me anymore. Is this something you do regularly, astral travel? Um, not regularly, but uh, I do on occasion. And have you had some experiences with meeting up with ghosts? I have been approached, but I stay away from them because uh, whoever kind of taught me how to do it, he says, don't talk to them because if they start communicating with you and they like you, they're going to follow you home. Like straight up. <laughs> and I don't want that. Don't feed them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like a puppy, you know, a kitten. They're going to... Because they feel helpless, they feel lost, they feel like they need something. And if you're out there, they understand that, wow, you have some understandings that you can see me. How, how can that be? So they want to come home with you and learn more. And then they get stuck just hanging around your place, and which probably is okay most of the time, as long as you ignore them, and then they might go away again. But I, some of the entities out there are not pleasant and friendly entities. 
ice around myself and a ball of light when I go out there so I have no problems because most of them, they don't understand what that is and they don't even like it. So, But if you go up, if you get through that lower level of the astral worlds, go to a higher vibration, you can think yourself up there, then everything is beautiful. There are no dangers, no nothing. And of course, even in the lower astral worlds, there's no danger there either because there's nothing out there that can get hurt. It is just a physical, I mean, a, um, an astral vehicle or consciousness. And, uh, to, and this is something that's not going to sound very good, but in the lower astral worlds, the astral vehicle will em eventually die also. And when it does, it breaks up. It can lose an arm, it can lose, uh, so it just floats around. It turns into somewhat of a, a garbage dump. So there is things like that out there that really people should uh, just get through it. Don't hang around there and have a look. Uh, there's nothing there to attract. The lower astral worlds is not the place where we want to be. Think ourselves through it to the higher vibrations and then things are wonderful. Yeah, we had Maureen St. Germain on a while ago, and I think it was on her first time she was on our show. And she talked about um, 4D being um, more of like the bus station or the train station. It's not a destination. It's a travel. <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're not, you're not going there. It's like, it's, you're using it as transport to either third or fifth in a way. Yeah. yeah. Just you, make sure you don't an interesting miss, perspective. Yeah. Don't miss the bus. Yeah, don't miss the bus. There are people that have missed the bus because there are ghosts in Scotland, and, and I know that for a fact. I spent one night in a cathedral back in Europe one time on a bet, and we heard voices inside the cathedral. We have heard people walking up the corridors in, in the middle of that big church. Those have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. So they missed the bus. It just brings back that concept of um, letting go. Yeah. Yeah. Letting go. Even so, even when we start to pass on, we could still be struggling with that lesson. Surrender. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, I think yeah, I read surrender. in. Yep. And the thing is that uh, I have this other saying, and that is that just because you're dead doesn't make you smart. Because. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is that uh, I think I read somewhere, it may have been in the Bible, but I'm not so totally sure, it may have been in the Old Testament possibly, where it said that as the tree fall, it will lie. With other words, when you drop the body, that's how you're going to show up at the other end with your memories and your consciousness that you are aware of intact until you start opening up to be re-educated. And if you haven't met somebody or are not re-educated on the other side, you don't know any better. And then there's another saying, of course, also that nobody dies alone. And uh, that is not totally true. There can be times when it happens. But uh, normally there is usually somebody there just to say, Hey, welcome. It's been a while. Yeah. Where you been? <laughs> <laughs> How did it work out for you? you well, know? 
this conversation is actually a great opportunity for us to answer one of our guest questions that's come in recently. Okay. Um, so let's let's get to it because it's perfect timing. Uh, this is from Megan. And she says, hello, I love you guys. We love you too, Megan. Thanks so much for your support. She says, quick question. What's the point of all this living and learning experiences for our soul? In the end, do we all commune in this blast of light spinning around? We go back to source and they eat us and absorb our knowledge. But even then, what is the reason? It's a good question, Megan. What Thank you for sending that into us. Basically. Mm-hmm. Well, the question presumes, I don't want to use assumes, I want to say presumes that there is separation. Because otherwise, we wouldn't have to go home. Maybe we already are home, just that we don't know it. Because if we are part of the universal consciousness, or the all, or God, or whatever they want to call it, if we are part of that as a separate, no, as an offshoot off of that with given perceived individuality and a block of universal memory. Now that's what we are. And we are not really separate, but we feel and think and believe we are. So, what we came here to do is to get more experience, play more games, learn more, and gain more spiritual capacity and take that with us when we go back. So, the universal mind or consciousness or the all will also learn more from our experiences. This is what was explained to me in a download where we gather more information here because spiritual entities, they cannot have physical experiences because it doesn't have hands and feet and uh, like we, we, we cannot put our hand on the stove and burn ourselves. They wouldn't know how to do that. They could never have that experience or they could never have the positive feeling and experience of standing in a museum looking at a wonderful piece of art and mm. get a physical chill through the body at the same time. Or feel anything at all. They couldn't feel anything at all. We have to do that for the spiritual entity behind it. And that's how this spiritual entity, soul or universal consciousness learns from our existence in 4D. Which is ourself. We're exper- yeah. we are we we are all that there is and we That's it. Are just experiencing it. But in reality it's like it's really just a dream. Like we think that it's real. Absolutely. But yep. it's, it's really not actually happening. Because we yeah, we are part of the process, there is a decision before we actually uh, enter or create, first create and then enter the body. Or actually, the soul doesn't really stay in the body. It kind of hangs around and it's, 
in the vicinity of, or sometimes it can be in the same location, but it's just there. And when we enter this existence that we now think of as a physical existence, it is not only that. You said it earlier, exactly, because we are so multidimensional. We're just not physical. We're also in the astral world. We have a spiritual world. We have higher di dimensional existences that is existing at the same time. We have different experiences at the same time. The, um, the physical experience here is the most prominent for us because that's all we see when we open our eyes. When we close our eyes and go into meditation, and then we can have glimpses of what's behind this physical because we get some... There are people that uh, can have visions and we can have audible messages. We can have these things that is created outside of the physical. And I know some people's gonna say that, oh no, no, it all happens in your brain. It gives you the sensations of seeing something. Well, there is this one incident among hundreds and hundreds of similar ones that explains it very well. There was a guy that came into the hospital after a car accident. He was pretty bad shape. They got him on the operating table and the guy died. They, in about, it took them quite a, quite a long time for that kind of activity to bring him back. It was 15, 20 minutes. They were fighting with him because he, they kept seeing a single spike in the heart and then it went dead again. And then there were brain waves were gone there was nothing no brain waves at all and when they brought the guy back he said wow i left my body and i could see you guys fighting to you know revive me i was standing there behind you i could see that i was floating up to the ceiling and i floated through the ceiling up on the roof and looked around and it was great and he said, I saw this tennis shoe laying next to a pipe on the roof. And he explained that to the doctor afterwards. And the doctor, he said, well, yeah, of course, you know, that's, things happen. And he didn't really take it that serious. But he walked up on the roof and he found the tennis shoe. So now he cannot explain this thing away because the guy he left his body, left on the roof, there is no chance of this guy ever being on the roof because... I guess locked doors or whatever. So that was consciousness, not physical consciousness. That was a higher vibratory consciousness that saw that tennis shoe on the roof. And there's many other stories like this where people have been dead, they've seen things, no brain activity, but they see and they experience things and they come back and they talk about it. Mm -hmm. It cannot well, be explained away. No, and it, it can't. But this idea of what Megan was asking of what's the purpose, basically, like what's the yeah. point of it all? And you were mentioning this idea of, you know, as a light being or a spiritual being, you don't phys you can't have that physical experience. And um, we, we, you know, we come here to learn other lessons and, um, yeah. you know, it's just like what Lisa was saying as well with the, um, you know, we have these microorganisms on our, our eyelid and they're having their own experiences. When you, 
we all know from our own per, like our own experiences in this lifetime right now there isn't a person who can <laughs> deny that your greatest lessons learned are usually through a very painful experience and those painful experiences can be kind of you can draw a parallel to those painful experiences being in the physical world versus a spiritual being that is, you know, from this concept of like light and love and and non-duality and, and things like that. And so, but the lesson is is really enhanced and I guess learned at such a deeper level when we go through the painful places that allows us to evolve, grow, elevate our awareness um, to, it expands things for us. And so this idea of coming here, I feel like it's a way for our consciousness to expand through getting into, going into these, um, the, the third dimension where we learn these lessons that can be very painful because you can feel things down here. You can have a physical experience, uh, that it's, in that same, it's in that, it's like that same parallel. It's to have the deeper lesson. Mm -hmm. And we've had guests on who've said that there are beings who refuse to come to earth because they've called it the wild, wild west. Like it's really difficult down here. So it's a, it's a, it's a deep dive of learning when you come into this experience. It's not for the faint of heart. Let's just say that way. Like from what we're understanding, from what other guests have said, and and their own experiences, and just from gathering all of the information that we've gathered gathered over the time of the show's um, conception, that to me that's kind of like when we explain like why are we here? There's just so much to learn, and it's not about you know spinning into up into light dust at some point and never returning, but just it's a never ending evolving cycle of lessons. Yeah, and that's excellent because you explained the other side of the coin that I did. And, uh, and put those two explanations together, you got the answer. Because mm -hmm. we come here, it's not an accident, we came here for a reason. We have certain things that we agree to do while we're here in or for the purpose of learning and ex getting more experience and increasing our spiritual capacity, so to speak. And that is the reason. And the thing about it is that all these negative experiences that we may have uh, some of outside of the physical in that spiritual realm, they are not negative experiences. They are not painful. It is just an experience for the purpose of learning. So the pain is entirely 4D and possibly a little bit on the lower of 5D. But up and higher than that, there is no pain. It is just something that you look at it as an observer and go, wow, gosh, you know, why in the world did I have to do that? I mean, jump off the mountain like that? Well, okay, I, now I know how it feels on the way down. And there's no pain with it. It's just an experience. Like a non-emotional observer. Yeah. Is that really true, though? Because from what I've gained from my own guidance team, Mm -hmm. my Palladian team is, you know, when I'm going through experiences in particular, like when I was going through my heartbreak, they said to give them the, give the heartbreak to them because they can feel 
because we're all connected, that they were able to feel what I was feeling down here because of our my connection to my family. And so can is it is pain not actually felt in the higher dimensions, like in those other dimensions where I, I don't know, like that's I think uh, the way it appeared to me was that you can select and you can choose to feel it as an experience. Okay. But uh, okay. if you look at it as I want to see, I want to experience what I did, and you can exclude the pain. The pain is not necessarily there unless you ask for it. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I have understood. But I think you can choose to okay, also because... feel the experience because that that negative experience is not a bad experience like that. There's a lot of learning in that. So it may yeah. also be part of the learning process. Because what I've also understood is that we come down here and although we're having our own individual experience, um, that we're also sometimes like a surrogate for many of our um, family that has not come into this reality uh, from other dimensions, other planets, whatever you, star systems, what have you, and that you are acting as like a surrogate to have the learning lesson for everyone back home and they're learning through you. And everything you learn goes into the library. Every level of existence has its library. We have libraries, we call them libraries. And then up the <laughs> higher the higher dimensions, they call it the Akashic Records and there may be other names for it at different levels. And yeah. we here, we are capable of going into meditation and have a look at what acts in the Akashic Records. And that is one thing you can be done. Probably the simplest way to do that is to do it through hypnosis. You can do it also through meditation by directing your mind to go out there and reach into it and find things that you want to have a look at. But hypnosis is probably the simplest way. And uh, uh, Nori Love is good at that. She she does that. And um, that's something that could be very interesting for people to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had a thought come into my mind about this idea of being a surrogate down here and other beings um, not within this dimension who may be able to choose to feel something or not feel something like you were saying, like you have that choice. And it just made me think of watching a movie, you know, and how you watch a movie that you're not in and yet you can be emotionally tied, you can cry, you can laugh, you can feel the pain of the lesson if you choose, if you choose to connect with it or not. And you can feel that and and feel like you are actually there in that moment. Oh, yeah. So perhaps it's kind of like that. Mm -hmm. You are an observer, but you embed yourself in it to get the, and you get the feelings of the people in the play or the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, Mm -hmm. Megan, thank you for um, the question and uh, just... To Megan, if you're listening to this episode, we did not get the name of the guest suggestion or the link to the article that you attached in the contact form. So if you want to resend that in to us, please do. Now, Augie, you are going to be very interested to hear this. And I know I'm going to get a lot of slack for bringing this up right now. I'm all ears. Brian has been speaking light language his entire life. (laughs) 
Really? Doesn't everybody? Doesn't everybody? He says. <laughs> says the skeptic. We just came back. We just came back from the Quantum Revolution tour in Kansas, where Jessica activated everyone's light language who was there with her at the tour. And well, she tried. She and she told me beforehand um, that she was going to try to activate my light language. And she, you know, asked the people that, did, did, you know, after she did her, her little exercise, she asked people to come up on stage that, that didn't get activated. And I went up on stage and, you know, went through, her, you know, whatever she said. And then, and then I sat down and I just mumbled some, you know, some sounds to myself, which, Light I, language. Which, which I do, which I do all the time. And I've, and I've, and I've always done. Um, I, I, I remember, uh, being in high school and college and, you know, I mean, th- there's not a time I don't remember just like we, Lisa and I were driving in the car and I just, I just like said like five, you know, sounds. And, and so a- after I sat, after I sat back down, I, you know, I mumbled these sounds that I, that I, that I always do. And, uh, and then I just kind of, it was more of a, you know, a knowing or just like a realization. I was like, Oh, maybe that's what that is. You know, I'm, I'm going to hold my skeptic card and, and say, Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just gibberish. But that's how, you know, that's how Jessica, you know, describes it. You know, it's, I mean, it is. And you listen to, if you listen to, to light language, it does kind of sound gibberish like. Um, it's baby talk. Yeah. It's like what? So, so anyway, they think I speak light language. Isn't. Isn't light language, uh, yeah, gibberish, but so is speaking in tongues. That's gibberish too. Up- well, sure, same same idea. Yeah, all the way up to the point where somebody records it and they take it to the local university and give it to somebody in the language department and say, can you decipher these things? And that has happened. And mm-hmm. in one case I know of... Um, <clears throat> Uh, it was full of cuss words in foreign languages. <laughs> but there are others that have actually taken it to the language department and um, they have been able to decipher much of it. It is good information coming through. Oh, that's interesting. It's the language of the soul. It's supposed to bypass the ego. We're not supposed to be able to interpret yeah. it. It's more of frequencies. Well, no, I don't think you're not supposed to be interpret it. I just think that, you know, that's a possibility, but that's not the point. Well, it's not a word for word interpretation, how we see language. It's more of a overall feeling or message mm. or, you know, it's not the same as our written language. Yeah. Oh, no. And it's, it must be totally different. But uh, I know if it is, since it is called language, what is a language? It's an experience. It's a vocal expression or some type of expression that has meaning. So it has to have a meaning because it's been around a long time, right? Far as we know, eternity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it has to have meaning and uh, it may be different. Uh, in some cases, they were able to find words in it that uh, meant something in another language. That's cool. That makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, Lisa, like when we when we get um, like 
telepathic hits. Like sometimes like I'll get feelings, but then like a word just comes in, you know, and it's just one word. But from that, you can start to decipher, oh, you start to go with your feelings and you can kind of decode or decipher the message. Of course, with filters and all that, you never know if it's the intended message exactly, but you kind of get close. And I think that's the most important thing is you don't need to have like what this idea of like what our ego wants is like a verbatim exact, you know, interpretation. But that makes sense that there might be like words in there that could be one or two or a phrase or something. And it may even come from a previous existence, some of it. Uh, in fact, I know the, the years and years and, and years ago, I remember um, some friends of mine, they had a baby. And the baby, I think it was very young, maybe a, just a matter of a month or two or three. The baby kept reach, putting his hand out and then saying the word mer, mer. And they finally gave him something to drink and they gave him water and he was happy. And they didn't know what it meant, but uh, I was there one time and he did, <laughs> Mur, yeah, well, that's a Sanskrit word for water. Maybe that was his language in his previous life. So the kid asked for water. I love it. And they gave him water and he was happy. Yeah, the last thing he remembers. Could very well be. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's where you get the, the word mermaid from. Oh, think, think, think yeah. about that. If you're an old, you know, in a previous life, the last thing, you know, you're on your deathbed, it's very common. We see, we, you know, we see it at least in the movies a lot. You know, what's the one thing you want when you're dying? Yeah. You want water. So literally the last thing his, his soul could have asked for in the most recent, you know, iteration of his life would have, could mm -hmm. have been water. That could make sense. That is a very, yeah, that's a very good point, mm -hmm. Brian. Or a cigarette. That's how I roll. <laughs> a cigarette. <laughs> it's from like the old westerns when they're about to shoot you. Like the last thing people want is a cigarette. I guess I've watched too many westerns. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh don't don't even want to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Brian, you know, sure, you can hold up your skeptic card and, and all of that. And, and you know, at, at the end of the day, you could say, like, how do I prove it? Um, but what's your what's your feeling? Keep in mind, I am the one that came to the real. It wasn't Lisa didn't say, hey, that's your light language, which she has been saying. I sat down and I went to her and Jessica and said, you know what? I think I've never stopped speaking light language. So, I mean, yeah, I. I have to keep my skeptic card by saying, well, maybe it's not, but I, it was a recognition. It's a possibility, but there's a part of you that's recognizing it as mm -hmm. true. Exactly. I've been telling him for months because we'll be sitting on the couch or in the car and he says things and I'm like, I just look at him. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're speaking light language. And he's like, no, well, just I activated making... yours. So, <laughs> so when he had the real love saying that it's just so typical of, you know, a spouse or someone that you're close to that you, you notice things or tell them and they just completely don't hear you and they have to figure it out figure it for out themselves. Sure. Hmm. It wasn't like that. Yeah. Hmm. Now, yeah. it's true, Brian, you could, you could have a whole new career in light language activation. Ah. 
<laughs> he won't he won't do it on demand though he says i'm not a it's for me it's hey for him gra- only. grab a guitar and make a song out of it and you'll make a million <laughs> <laughs> well that's totally understandable because i mean it's like with psychics they're like you know if you're talking to something and someone says well prove it to me what am i thinking right now it's like oh, come on seriously <laughs> you know it's that kind of same thing yeah mm-hmm. so well, Augie, this has been a really fun conversation. It's been really interesting. Mm-hmm. What uh, I mentioned astral travel before. Uh, Brian, what do you think of that? Oh, we've, we've talked about it a couple of times on the show. I, I, I would love to do it. I think, I think it's, it's, it would be cool. I don't know what else. I don't know what else to say. I think it would be really cool. I've always wanted to do it. I'd, I'd love for me, it's more of a, a, I'm a student of history and I love history and I would just love to go back through time and be in places or see things as they were historically. I think that would just be incredible. Well, that's more like uh, time travel, but astral travel, that is, uh, uh, you get up into the, the higher vibrations, you can actually go backwards and forwards. But uh, just get out and have a look at things around you within uh, on site or on location where you are, or you can travel across the country and visit someone or something like that. Um, it's not that hard to learn. It, remote viewing. What's the now difference that, between though. remote viewing and astral travel? Oh, there's a big difference. Yeah. There, there is a big difference. I think that's what Brian was thinking of, was more remote viewing. Oh, okay. Than astral no, travel. I was talking, I was talking about uh, your astral vehicle or consciousness getting out and travel across the country and see things and do things. Oh. So what? how is that different than remote viewing? Uh, remote viewing, you're just sitting there. You're fully aware of you sitting there. It's just that you get images that you put on this paper and you can make a drawing and, uh, uh, well, you can be pretty accurate at that too if you uh, are good at it. We've, we've had guests on the show that have described remote viewing as being out in the cosmos and going through the sun and being chased by reptilians and... All sorts of things. Mm, yeah, okay. Maybe it's more yeah, astral yeah. travel. Yeah, there's... Uh, <clears throat> I haven't seen anything like those out there necessarily, but uh, you can go places where you would find them. A good place to find reptilians is to go to the moon. They're all over the place. That's where you found okay. it. Okay. <laughs> That's... All right. <laughs> then that makes sense. If you, if you want to learn more, uh, Brian, just uh, <clears throat> give me a call and we can talk about it Ooh. because there are some things that you can do. Uh, you got to set up a vibration in the body. That's, that's the key. Set up a bi- vibration in the body that will separate the astral vehicle from the body. Based on what you uh, said earlier and what one of our most recent guests has has said jason layton he was just on we just aired that episode um it probably starts with meditation i do not meditate so i would assume if i called you and it's like okay let's do this you're probably gonna say start meditating or hey do you meditate no yeah that would be a good way to do it but you don't have to do that 
All you have to do in order to separate is to get that vibration set up in the body. And you can do that by thinking of certain things. It is not that hard to learn, but uh, it is also something that uh, first time you get out, if you're going to go somewhere, it's good to be with someone that has done it before. So uh, you can also uh, be, be able to visualize a uh, bubble, a bubble of light around you that could be good, could be cool to do, so that you have the sensation of safety more. Because, you know, there are people saying they've seen horrible things out there. Well, maybe so, but I never do because I got this bubble around me. Well, so I never well, have any problems. I'll, I will take you up on that and, and we will try to get get yeah. me up into the clouds. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Through through the veil. Uh, yeah, I think that's great. And if uh, you guys come up with uh, something, if you have some experiences, Brian, then we'll bring you back on, Augie, and we can talk well, about that. Well, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Could be a great learning experience for guests, uh, guests, um, our listeners to hear through someone else's Yeah, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah, but, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and the, th- the other thing is that you may not be a skeptic anymore. Well, we already know that. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks so much, Augie, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have you back on here. And I thoroughly... It was fun. (laughs) Good conversation. Thank you. And thanks again, Megan, for sending in your question. And to our listeners, if you have any questions you want to send in, send them our way. Uh, Thanks again, Augie. Augie, if our listeners want to get in touch with you or um, get in touch with your work, how can they find you? Okay. Well, you can find me on Facebook uh, under my name. And uh, also, you could uh, go to one of my websites, um, universal-consciousness-show.com, or where I do also uh, radio shows with Nori Love. That's at um, broadcastteamalpha.com. And if you want to learn how to use your mind in ways that you would normally think is impossible then you need to uh, go have a look at my book. Uh, you find it on Amazon. One of them there is uh, Spiritual Science, Higher Conscious Thinking, and How to Access the Universal Consciousness. Great. Well, thanks so much. We'll um, leave some of that information in the show notes for our listeners to find easily. And it was a pleasure. Yeah, we had fun. Don't work so hard, Augie. Make sure you take some rest time for yourself. Oh, I will. I'm going to do that right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks again. And thank you to our listeners for joining us again this week. We'll be back with you very soon. Bye. Thank you all for joining our show. We appreciate you tuning in and supporting us. If any of you have any questions you would like answered on the show or any guests that you would like to hear on our show, please email that information to us at info at enlightenup.us or send us a voice message using the Anchor app. There's a super cool feature on there that allows you to send us a message or ask us a question with a touch of a button right from the app. And please continue to support us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. 
And if you haven't checked out Nicole's channel on YouTube yet, head on over there for some more insight from her, or you can visit her website, inflexibleme.com, where you can book a personal coaching session or a tarot reading, watch some of her most informative videos, or you can sign up for her newsletter. And if you're interested in some light language healing, head to my YouTube channel, Lisa Loves Love, or send me an email to lisa at lisaloveslove.com to inquire about your own personal reading. Thank you again for joining us and supporting us, and we'll be back with you all next week.